Thank you so much for joining us online today at Christ Covenant Church. We hope you sense God's presence and are encouraged by the message. Now, here's Pastor Ryan Weems. Hey everybody, so excited to see you as we continue our series, New Year, New You. Uh, we're going to pick right back up where we left off last Sunday. So turn with me to Isaiah chapter 58. And uh, you've heard me say this a lot if you've been around a couple weeks or so. But the messages are always better if you follow along with me in your own Bible or Bible app. Yeah, they're going to be on the screen, giant Bible behind me and even kind of lower part of your screen online. But if you got something with you, why don't you open it? I know Isaiah is kind of a difficult place to find. There's a lot of books in the Old Testament. Uh, There's a lot of chapters in Isaiah. Uh, But use the index if you need to. But Isaiah chapter 58, and we're going to pick up where we left off in verse 9. Isaiah 58 verse 9. Nine. Now, as a quick reminder, and for those that are brand new, we got new people every single Sunday. And by the way, glad that you're here. But just to give you quick context as you're turning there, uh, in Isaiah 58, uh, God's people, they're frustrated. I don't know if you've ever been there before. I know I've been there before. And here's why they're frustrated, is they are trying to do these religious things, but they're not seeing it work in their life. They're asking for God to, to help them out, but God is not moving on their behalf. So they're frustrated with God. And so God enters into the scene and he tells them, number one, why it's not working. And then number two, how to actually seek him and get results. So it really helped us last Sunday. It's going to help us again this Sunday. So Isaiah 58 verse 9, here's what it says. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression with the pointing finger and malicious talk. And if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden. These are awesome promises available for you and I. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people, I like this verse a lot. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath. Somebody say Sabbath. Come on, a few more people say Sabbath. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please, and not what you just want to do, but what God wants you to do. If you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, uh, idle here, just like people that just chit-chatting, you know, just like talking just to talk. That's what it's talking about here. Verse 14, then you will find your joy in the Lord. So if you want that, and I know you do, there's some things that you need to do and God will do this for you. Then you will find your joy in the Lord and I will cause. So God is gonna make this happen, not you, not I. I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast. Feasting sounds really good right now as we're praying and fasting. And to feast on the inheritance of your father, Jacob. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Keep it open. And for those that are taking notes, I'm calling this message as part two in our new series. I'm calling it Soul Good. Somebody say soul. 
Come on, I'm gonna holler back, preacher. All right, y'all holler back at me. All right, it'd be a lot more fun if you play around. Somebody say soul. Somebody say good. I'll tell you today, this message is going to be so good. <laughs> and God's gonna do something in your life. And honestly, it's gonna be a breath of fresh air for you as we dig into God's word here. I want you healthy. And God wants you healthy. And so before we talk about everything out there and all the stuff in our world, we're gonna focus on our world personally. And again, God's gonna do a great work in you. And there's gonna be at least one thing that God speaks to you that this is your word for today. And then you can apply it to your life. But why don't you bow your head with me, close your eyes. God, thank you again for what you're doing today. Thank you for what you did in first service and what you're doing already in this service. And I pray God for the seasoned saint all the way to the first time attender. I pray, God, that you would highlight one thing from this message. One thing that as we apply it and we do what we can in the natural, that you'll do the supernatural. I pray, God, that we would seek you. And as we seek you, we will find you. And that you would do a great work in us first and then through us next. And I pray, God, especially for our souls. I pray, God, that they would be good. I pray, God, they would be healthy. I pray, God, that you would do a wonderful work inside of us uh, to help us continue on. Uh, throughout this year and throughout the rest of our lives here on earth. God, I pray for your anointing. In fact, God, I know that your anointing is here upon this because your word is anointed, but also as we talked about last Sunday, when your people gather together and we fast and we pray, there's an anointing, a special anointing that you place on us. And so I pray, God, there would be a holy expectation in this room that this is not just another Sunday, it's not just an, another New Year's kind of message or series, that there is potential, powerful potential for you to speak to us and for our lives to be changed for forever. There's a good reason, God, that you have us here in this room and online. So may you have your way in us, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. And if you believe it, would you say amen? amen. Come on, if you believe it, would you say amen? amen? Amen means so be it. You're just coming to agreement at the end of a prayer. That's why we say that at the end. You know, it was, uh, it was back for Thanksgiving, and, and Thanksgiving, I don't know about you, it feels like an eternity ago for me. Uh, you know, it was just a couple of months ago. But it's uh, back this past Thanksgiving that my wife, Isabel, she's here in the service. And um, her and I and our three young kids, they're nine, five, and two, uh, we hopped on an airplane and we went to go see her family. Uh, my wife, Isabel, her familia is in Nevada. Her parents are immigrants. I've talked about them a lot before, just like I've talked about my parents. And my dad was in last service. My mom's here today as well. And, uh, but Isabel's parents, they're immigrants. Her dad immigrated from Spain. Mom immigrated from El Salvador. And, and Isabel was born and raised here in America in Nevada, and specifically like in the Carson City area. So not Vegas, a long ways from Vegas. And, and so they, they paid, and they do this every single time. Uh, God bless them for this. But they paid for us to fly out there. How many of y'all know flying is expensive? And so thank the Lord for that. And so we're there, and we usually fly southwest, and I'm sure you've flown with them at least once before. But we're there waiting to board. And one of the great things about southwest is if you're family traveling, uh, you don't have to pay for the A boarding or have, you know, like the, the miles or whatever to get that. Um, but right after A boarding, before B boarding starts, there's that family boarding. And so that's a great thing for us because our kids are young and we don't need them by themselves. Nobody needs them by themselves. And so we want to be able to ride with them. So there's no assigned seating with Southwest. So we're there. And Isabel, you're probably a lot better at this than I am. Uh, but anytime we get ready to fly with our kids, I am really, really nervous. Uh, we've had some bad experiences. I don't know if you've been there before but some really bad experiences with our young kids. And really all of them have had their struggles. It's like you get in this airplane and how many all know you can't go anywhere. And so you just got to deal with it right then and there. We've had diaper explosions and all kinds of stuff that have happened. And, 
And so normally we try to, when we get on the plane, we try to walk past all the A people who uh, paid or again got it and they're in the front. And we walk all the way to the back. We're trying to get away from them, close to the restroom, that kind of deal. And so this is like every other scenario, us flying southwest. So we got the kids. Uh, it's early in the morning. We're walking past all the A people and no lie. And if you've been with the young kids on a plane, you've seen this too. But as we're walking past these A-list people in the front of the plane, literally as we pass their row in their aisle, there is a sigh of relief on their face. You remember that, Isabel? Like, oh, this is awesome. Like, your kids are cute, but I don't want them by me, you know, kind of deal. And, and I get it. If I'm flying without kids, I don't want to be by somebody else's kids. And so they're, they're having a sigh of relief. We get to the back, and everything starts off great. Kids are being great, and really it's, it's, it's our youngest, our two-year-old, uh, Lucy, uh, we don't say uh, terrible twos, we say terrific twos, we're trying to speak life, you know, but there are some terrible moments, and, and it's not easy, and it's not on her, it's any kid, I mean, I know we got our own stuff, you know, so like, it's just reality, and, and she's great, and, and I got to give her some credit, because we woke up, you remember this, Isabel, we woke up really early, we had like maybe two hours of sleep, it's kind of like a red-eye flight that we had, so all of us were grouchy, especially this guy, okay, so I got to give uh, Lucy credit, sweet Lucy, and, and she started off awesome like she's there and literally as we're taking off she's sitting on your lap the window is up and she sees us like getting off the ground and she's shouting out enjoy it was the cutest thing wow wow we're flying dad we're flying and that kind of deal and so I'm like all right this kid's gonna be different you know than the other ones some of you know where I'm going that that changed pretty quickly and uh it, it wasn't the easiest thing she she went from joyful just wow wow to literally yelling out in rebellion no no and if you've been in that position before it's embarrassing right you're like I promise it's not normally <laughs> like this and all the strangers are judging you if you've been in that situation you know you're just judging like you should have done this and, and in that moment good parenting and, and this is good parenting in that moment normally you want to remove them from the situation and bring the discipline right like that's how you want to do it but again, you can't go anywhere. You're 30,000 feet up in the air. And, and so it's like you're giving them everything. And this is not good parenting, but it's like, you want my phone? I'll steal that person's phone. I'll give you their phone. Like, you want my keys? Like, what, what do you want to do? I'll turn off, like, airplane mode. You do whatever you want on my phone. You know, it's like, like you're just kind of like in an extreme situation. And, and I heard about this this last week. It was funny. And I think, Isabel, we need to do this next time. But there's this family I heard about that they fly a lot. And what they do, it's genius but before they even get to the airport, the wife bakes cookies for everybody around them in their section. And literally, as they walk onto the plane as a peace offering, here's some cookies. Here's some cookies. That's genius, right? Isabel, let's make a note. Let's do that next time. Like, they're getting in front of it. But it's a difficult thing. So we're taking off, and every single flight's like this. But I'll never forget it, and really it's highlighted from this last time, is the flight attendants, once you kind of get it in the air, they stand up. And they begin to give their, their speech. And it's the speech that, that you and I, we zone out most of the time, right? You already got your earbuds in, that kind of deal. Pretending like you're listening, but you're not listening. Well, they get to a point of the speech that I've heard a whole bunch of times, and you probably have too. And they say something along the lines of this. And as a parent, it's highlighted. They say, parents, moms and dads, if you are flying with a child, if at any point in this flight that we lose cabin pressure... There's going to be, you remember this, an oxygen mask that falls from the ceiling. And they say, parents, listen up. Put on your mask first and then put on your child's mask. And they are required to do this. 
And not only that, they have to get a verbal confirmation from you. So I remember even in this flight, I'm not really paying attention to it, but the lady, sweet lady, she comes on down. She's like, sir, excuse me, excuse me. Did you hear what I said? And she said in a real nice way, but she needed a verbal confirmation. If we lose pressure and the mask comes down, make sure you'll put on your mask first. Can I get a yes? You know, I'm like, amen, you know? Like, that's what she says. And then she walks on by. And here's why I say all of this, and here's the important part. The reason why they are required by law to tell us this as parents is because in an extreme situation, life or death, there is something on the inside of all of us. Whether you follow Jesus or not, there's this desire, there's this willpower and strength that rises up in those situations, and you will always, always, always put your child's life first over your own. Is that not true, right? The best of us and even the worst of us, there is something that God has put into our DNA that if someone was to take a shot at our family, we don't even think about it. We will step in front of them. And so they have to get our attention that, sir, ma'am, I know in an extreme situation, you're gonna want to put their mask on first. But if you don't first put on your mask, there's a good chance that you will never even get to help your child. I know you want to save them, but you are no good to them if you first aren't safe. And I think that will preach all day and twice on Sunday. Because so often, especially here in America, we got these desires and these passions and they're good. We want to minister and we want to help and we want to save the world. And all that's awesome. We'll talk about that a little bit today and throughout that series. But let me encourage you, ma'am, sir, that if you don't first make sure that you're healthy, you're, there's no way that you can make sure everyone else around you is healthy. If you're not safe first, there's no way that God can use you to help save other people in your life. Y'all hearing me, Christ Covenant? And so my job as your pastor, because I love you, I care for you, is I want to make sure, and even more than me, God wants to make sure that your soul is good, that your soul is healthy. We've got way too many pastors, way too many Christians that are burning out. They are breaking down. Why? Because they have good intentions to help everyone else, but they are neglecting their own soul. And so for you, here today, you're gonna to leave with God speaking to you so clearly. Yeah, it's cool you wanna do that and it's cool that this is gonna happen, but, but your soul needs to be good first. You wanna save them, but God wants to do a work in you and then through you. So I wanna give you a couple of things from the text. We could talk about a lot, but two things I wanted to highlight. I really struggled with this message just to be transparent with you. And I feel like God really got me to the place where he wanted us to get. So two things, could talk about a lot, but two things, two takeaway truths from Isaiah 58. I know we read a lot of verses, but from the verses that we read, and I think God is gonna use one at least. He's gonna highlight it, and he's gonna say, hey, I, I wanna work on this in your life. So here's the first one. If you take notes in church, write this down. If you don't take notes in church, you should write this down. Number one, for your soul to be good, you need to, number one, watch your language. You gotta watch your language. And yeah, cussing is in that. If you've got a problem with throwing down and saying some things you shouldn't say, curse words, yeah, that's a part of it. But honestly, it goes way beyond that. And for our soul to be good, our family to be good, we've got to watch our language. 
you know, one of the bigger issues that I think we're struggling with, and when I say we, just the church in general, not just this church, but one of the biggest things or bigger things that I think we struggle with is, is watching our words, being careful and really intentional with how we speak to people. And, and not just like on a normal, like every day, you know, when you're feeling good and you're like, man, I look good today and I, I got the promotion. Not like when everything's great in your life, but I think we struggle, I know I do, when things start to break down in our lives. How, how do we talk then? I'll say it to you this way. How do you talk to people around you or even yourself talk to yourself? How do you talk, how do you communicate when you're frustrated? When you're frustrated. Like when things are happening in your life that, that you didn't expect them to go that way. When you're frustrated with God, how do you talk? That's what's going on in Isaiah 58. They are frustrated with God. And the way that they're talking, their language that they're using is not good. And God says here, there is a higher standard. Let me ask you that same question, but in a different way. How do you talk when you are stressed? Do people, even your own flesh and blood, do they wanna be around you when you're stressed? Or they're like, hey, I gotta give them a moment. What's going on? How are you speaking when life is not going according to plan? And God has been convicting me on this, especially this week. And, and I even had something yesterday, y'all, and it's too fresh for me to tell you all the details, okay? But I had a moment in my life, because I feel like I'm an encourager and that's a big part of, of who I am. But there's moments when I get frustrated there's key things that can kind of get me, and I'm not saying, you know, cussing. My pastor's cussing. I'm not talking about that, okay? But, but there's moments in my life where I'm frustrated or disappointed or things that can kind of trigger me, and I hate that word even, but I think it will work for this illustration, or things that make me more susceptible to being negative, to being short uh, with people, to being kind of mean, um, to be a glass half empty kind of person. And man, yesterday was one of those days. And I'll give you just a broad stroke, but, but I was putting together something at our house. And if you know my story at all, you know, that ain't a good start for me, right? Um, but I'm putting together something at my house and I kind of have a negative attitude always going into those things. I'm trying to be better and uh, man, I got a long way to go. But I'm doing this and, and, and I'm working on it for a couple hours and, and it actually works. Praise God, it was awesome. And I was trying not to get too excited because I just, again, I just don't have a glass half full kind of approach to this kind of thing typically. And so it's working properly. And then just a couple of hours later, it stopped working. And I delayed it to last night to even go investigate it, you know, just thinking and hoping and praying it would take care of itself. How many all know it didn't take care of itself? <laughs> so I go and I take it all apart and try to put it back together. And I was getting stressed and I was frustrated and and again, I didn't cuss or anything like that, but I was not the nicest to my family last night. I had to go back and say, hey, I'm sorry. I need to handle that better. I know another one for me, maybe for you, is when I'm driving. There's just something about being on Highway 6 that can set your pastor off. <laughs> Does anybody have that problem? You can, you can repent in church? Okay. It was like nobody in first service. The saints, I guess. Man, the, those of us that God is still working on, we're in this service, okay? Like, I'm with you. And I don't know about Highway 6, man. It's like, maybe it's because that number, that's the number of the devil, you know? I don't know what it is. But man, it could be 3 a.m., which you shouldn't be 3 a.m. on the road, but you could be 3 a.m. on the road, Highway 6, and it's still bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic, you know? And it's just something about me when somebody cuts me off, and I'm just like, you know who I am. I'm working for the Lord, you know? And it's just, I get so frustrated. And, and I do shout. I don't cuss, but I do shout. And 
and I do the hard stare, you know, and I'm just like, mm, you know, but you got to be careful nowadays because people got guns and all that kind of stuff. So. <laughs> but it's just like, man, there's just moments in my life where I'm like, hey, that's, that, I, I'm, I'm setting the bar too low. God has a higher standard for me and he has a higher standard for us, especially when we're frustrated, especially when we're disappointed, especially when we're stressed. Watch your language, watch how you're talking. And really there's two sides of this that I was thinking about and we see it in the text. If you still got it open, look again at verse nine. There's two sides of it. The first side of this, watching your language, a follower of God, what God has for you and I, not worried about other people's speech, talking about us. The first side of it in verse nine is praise. That we would use our language, that we would use our words to praise God, to glorify God. So it's not just don't say bad things, it's also say really, really good things. And not only that, but to give God praise and God glory. And I did it in the first service, I'm gonna do it in this service as well, but guys, listen up. Every guy looking at me for a moment, we got to do better at this as men. Because we're far too long in churches, not just this church in general. As a man, we're like, I'm here, but I'm gonna be crossed up the whole service. They didn't worship, I'm not gonna sing. Don't tell me to raise my hands. When we say all of that stuff, it's only to encourage you to do what you were made to do and that's glorify and praise God. And so man, I'm calling you, I'm calling me to a higher standard in worship. Now, it goes way beyond a few songs on a Sunday. Y'all get that, okay? I've talked about that very, very often. But your job as a man is to actually lead the way for the church and your family in worship and praise of your awesome God. There's actually nothing more manly than worshiping God, and I'll prove it to you. And I'm going off script today, but I like going off script a little bit, all right? I'm getting more used to it, you know? Y'all just, just hang around for a bit, okay? I'm getting better, I'm getting better. I'm just going, some, sometime I may even jump down the aisles. Who knows? I won't do it today, I promise. But like, I'm, I'm getting excited. But, but here's what I want to say to you, and this is what I felt like God even said to me in first service to share with them, and now in this service to share to you. I didn't prepare it, but I want you to think about the Old Testament for a moment. Man, I'm picking on you, I know, but I'm right there with you. Think about the Old Testament. This was not good military strategy, but it was God's strategy, and it worked. That every time there was a battle, every time there was a war, this is awesome. They didn't send the archers out front. They didn't send the swordsmen out front. They sent the worship leaders out front. And so they started the battle. The men that were on the front lines, they were the worshipers. Now, I gotta be honest with you, I would rather be an archer in the back, okay? Like, I don't want this flag, I want an actual weapon. Bad military strategy, but it was God's strategy. And as they led with worship in war, they won the victory. Why? Because it's not about you, it's about the one you're worshiping. So guys, you wanna be manly. I want to put out your chest, man, I'm a man, I'm a man, I'm a man. Yeah, you be a man as you worship God and as you glorify him. Come on, can some men, some men say amen today? All right, man, all right. Like, so I'm calling you to a higher standard, I'm calling me to a higher standard. So, so there's one side of it, it's praise. And when you call out to God, what does he say in verse nine? I'm gonna answer you. I'm gonna answer you. That's not call waiting. It's not, hey, I'm busy with world stuff. He cares about the world, but he also cares about your world. So I praise him, that's one side. I call out to him, that's one side. But on the other side, there's a couple of things that Isaiah talks about being led by the Holy Spirit. He says, no malicious talk, right? No evil talk, no idle talk, just, just talking to talk. Don't you know people like that? If they're with you, don't you dare nudge them right now, okay? But, but you know people like that, that you could talk to them for an hour, but they didn't talk about nothing. Like, help us, Jesus, right? 
And so God has called us not just talk to, to hear your voice, not just talk because you gotta be an expert at everything, to use your words, use your language intentionally. Y'all with me, Christ covenant? Where there's a higher standard that God has for us. And as you speak right, as you use your language in the way that God intended, he is gonna move in your life personally, but then also next through you to touch someone else's life. Another issue in churches in general is gossip. It's a big deal. Paul, who wrote two thirds of the New Testament, we're in the Old Testament today, but Paul, he spends a lot of time on gossip. I'll tell you this, there ain't nobody that can gossip like the church. We make it seem like it's a prayer request, but it's really talking about them. About, oh, God bless Sister Susie, you know, she's really struggling in her marriage. Her kids are, you heard those kids, those are her kids, you know, you pray for her. That is not a prayer request, that is gossip. And we gotta get better. If you can't say it to their face, you should not say it at all. And that is such an elementary thing, but we got to get back to those basics of our faith that we're not going to gossip about anybody. So I wrote down a few things. I felt like God spoke to me. Oh, in fact, before I get to that, uh, let me share with, with you, and it's not on the screen, but I love how James 3, verse 10, you can write down the reference if you like. Some of you had this verse memorized. But I love how the New Testament talks about our words, our language. It says this, that we shouldn't let blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. So think about that. I shouldn't bless God in the church service and then scream at my wife after service. I shouldn't bless God in a church service and then yell unnecessarily at my kids. Remember, they are just kids. You got stuff God's working on you and you're an adult. Yeah, you bring discipline. Yeah, you bring correction. We, we do that in our house. We all about that because God's all about that. But still, we do it in love. And let blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. So here's some of the things I wrote down. Our language, as we watch it, working on us, not everybody else but us, our language should be encouraging, not discouraging. And I'm talking even when you're frustrated. Our language should be intentional, not accidental. Well, I didn't mean to say it, pastor. Well, then don't say it. Be intentional. Our language, I hope you'll write this one down, should be life-giving, not spirit-killing. Life-giving, not spirit-killing. And so those that are married, don't tear down your spouse even in a joking way. I'm all about sarcasm. I love The Office and old shows like that. I'm not saying everything's good. There's some bad stuff in there, but I'm all about some sarcasm, y'all. But when you are constantly cutting in and saying these things, oh, it's just a joke, it's just a joke. Here's what your spouse is thinking. Yeah, I know they're joking with me, but is there part of truth in there? Yeah, I know they're joking with me and it's even kind of funny to me, but is it maybe, maybe, maybe just have a little bit of, are they, are they kind of, think, how did they even get there to that joke? And you do that year after year after year and the devil gets in the middle of that and he will use that to try to destroy your marriage. There's a higher standard with our language. The parents, be so careful about tearing down your children. Be so careful. Some of you, and let's just get real. Some of you, Decades later, now grown adults, got kids maybe that are even grown, kids that are maybe even teenagers. Some of you are still wounded because of the words that your mom and dad spoke over you when you were a child. You're still walking around with a bullet hole in you. The words they said, the words they didn't say, just disappointed, all this kind of stuff. The standards that were way too high for a kid, they put on your life. And I want you to think about how you feel. 
And if you're here today and you feel that way, I do have encouragement for you that you can find healing in Jesus' name. Can I get an amen from somebody? You don't have to stay wounded. And then secondly, I wanna encourage you that if that has impacted your way in a negative way, don't repeat the pattern with your kids. Use it to actually spur you on. Then I'm gonna go the opposite, that I never discourage my kids. Yeah, I bring discipline. Yeah, I bring correction, but I'm always going to encourage them. I'm always going to affirm them. They can know the world may do something else, but they can always come to mom or dad and they can know that I'm gonna accept them and love them and approve them. And watch change happen in your own life and in your own family. Another one that God put on just my mind and my heart is maybe your issue, and I'll get to the second point in just a moment, but maybe your issue isn't your language to others when you're frustrated or disappointed or stressed. Maybe it is, but maybe it isn't. But I feel like for some of you, God spoke to me this past week and put on my heart that your issue is not your language to others, but your language to yourself, your self-talk. And you look in the mirror and you don't like the person staring back at you and you see all the flaws, all the insecurities. I wish I looked better. I wish I would lose weight. I wish I I thought I'd be more successful at this age. I thought I'd do more in my life. I'm, I'm just a disappointment myself. And some of you, you've got horrible, horrible self talk. I know you don't talk to yourself, I get all of that, but it's the thoughts that you have about yourself, how you think about yourself your confidence in the Lord working in you and through you. And so if that's you today, God's word from him straight to you is to watch your language with yourself. That from this day forward, you speak God's word over your life. From this day forward, you think God's thoughts. I'm a child of the King. I've got Holy Spirit power. God's best days are in front of me. They're not behind me. I am more than a conqueror through Christ who gives me strength. I know it's not looking great right now, but my God can turn all things around for his good and his glory. Do you see the difference there? That you begin to speak that over yourself. Some of you need to even do it audibly, kind of looking like a crazy person. You need to look in the mirror and have the Bible out. I have done it many times before. In fact, in this parking lot, especially the first couple of years of this church when nobody was here and everybody was wanting to go somewhere else and things were bad, all that kind of stuff. First couple of years, Isabel knows this, for months, every single day, a lot of times I'd be here by myself. We didn't have, I mean, it was just crazy. And every single day, I pull into the parking lot before I got out the door, turn off the talk radio. I pulled out a declaration sheet and it was all scripture. And I said out loud to myself, looking like a crazy person. I said out loud, no, 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 I see what's happening now, but God's got a plan for me. God hasn't left us and I spoke it out and I declared it over my life. And I'm telling you, it will make a difference in your life. I told y'all messages get better when we're praying and fasting, man. Y'all just hang on for the journey. We got one more week left. Number two, if you're taking notes, write this down. You gotta watch your language, but number two, you've gotta watch your speed. Watch your speed. Some of you are like, wait, is he talking about me speeding to get here on time today? No, not talking about that. How did he know? I can have a heavy foot as well, so I get it. I got, we got pulled over the other day. I was speeding on accident the other day, and we got let off. When does that ever happen, you know? Like, when does it ever happen? But I'm not talking about your car, I'm talking about your life, your life. And one of the things I really like about the new year, and I'm not really a resolutions person, maybe you are, that's cool, but I feel like most of us, we blow it, like we don't even get past January, you know? That's why the first couple of weeks at the gym is just packed, and then after a couple of weeks, it's like, no, 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 it's back to normal. 
And now maybe you're a resolution person, that's cool. But me, I'm not. But one of the things I do like about the new year is every single one of us, whether we follow Jesus or not, there's, there's something about that fresh opportunity, right? There's something about, okay, last year went great or last year went bad and I want this year to be better or different. Last year it went so-and-so or I wanted this to happen, it didn't happen, but I'm believing this is gonna be the year. This new hope, new potential, new opportunity. And what I like about that is it can apply to our spiritual lives. But yeah, I've been rolling with Jesus for decades. Maybe that's your story. Or yeah, I'm brand new to this church thing. I'm not used to some white dude being up there on the platform shouting at me, what is going on, you know? No matter where you're at on the journey, still there's an opportunity for spiritual growth more than ever before, and it will set the pace for the entire year. So I like that about the new year. And when it comes to your, spin, or your speeding, this is your great moment to figure out that, you know what, your life is not really all about speed. It's not all about running 100 miles per hour. It's about choosing moments in your life where you slow down so that next you can then speed up. And God's word is so clear here. Would you look back at Isaiah 58? This is the very last few verses that we read. God says this to his people back then and you and me today, that you've got to start keeping the Sabbath. Sabbath. Now, I've taught on the Sabbath a lot because it's a big issue here in America. We would never break any of the other Ten Commandments and brag about it, you know? Oh, you know, I, I, I killed a man yesterday. It was awesome, you know? <laughs> I cheated on my wife last week. It was incredible. Aren't you proud of me? Nobody does that. Those are in the commandments. You know what else is in the commandments? Honor and keep the Sabbath. But we brag about it. I'm grinding, baby. I'm going to make six figures. I'm working all the time, always got my emails open. I'm just going to grind. I'm just going to move forward. Holla at your boy, you know. Like we brag about stuff that's actually breaking one of the commandments. It is built into your life that you should have a day where you Sabbath. What does it mean? To stop. Somebody shout stop. stop. Do you ever stop and take a break, take a breath? To Sabbath is to stop. Another definition of this word is to cease labor. So that's a day every week. We got seven days. That's one day out of every seven that you take the day, not religiously, oh, we're gonna do 24 hours and I just did 23, not like that. But it's a pattern, it's a rhythm, it's the pace of your life that you will consistently, not because you necessarily want to, but because you need to. That you take a day to slow down, so then the next six days you can speed up. And I'm going to be real bold here. Maybe you're like, you already being bold. I'm going to be even more bold. And I said this not too long ago, I'm going to say it again. But if you are here today, and it's probably a good amount of you, because it's a problem here in America. But if you're here today, and you do not Sabbath, you don't trust God. It's just the truth. You don't trust that God will bless the six days working, five of your job, one, all the chores and all the stuff you do at your home or your apartment for your family, your kids. The six days working and the one day resting, you don't trust God. You're thinking, you would never say it, but this is how you're living, this is how you're thinking, that if I work seven days a week, then that's how I'll be blessed. And it's because you don't trust God. A person who trusts God, they work six days and they rest one day. Why? Because they believe that God will supernaturally multiply their time, their energy, their favor, 
their work. Could I not come today and tell you anything better that you need a day off? You better love your pastor, okay? Like you need a day where you rest and you recharge. It's gonna step on somebody's toes, but I got my boots on today. A day that you don't return emails. Some of you like, Pastor, if I take one day, I will literally have 500 more emails with all kinds of level of urgency, right? We got a lot of corporate people in the church. I get all of that, but guess what? They're gonna still be there tomorrow. And you need that day. It's a pattern, it's a rhythm, it's a pace. I'll use that car language for a moment. If you keep driving 100 miles per hour, you will eventually crash. And it's not just your work, but it's like you're working for your kids if you got kids, because they got 14 activities each. They got soccer and they got choir and you're an Uber driver that doesn't get paid, you know? Like that's just what your life is during the week and it's just crazy, crazy. You're going at a pace, a rhythm, a speed that you cannot sustain. Y'all hearing me, church? So I need your soul good. God wants your soul good. You've got to honor him with the Sabbath. You've got to keep the Sabbath. You need a day where you stop and you rest. So here's what this looks like. If it's Sunday, if it's today, your homework is go home and rest. Go home, spend time with your family. Go home and turn off your phone. That follow, that like, that text, it will be there tomorrow morning, first thing. In fact, I'm gonna, I'm gonna save some families right now. Babe, I'm gonna tell them what we do. If you got teenagers, when our kids are not teenagers yet, as I talked about at the beginning, but if you got teenagers or maybe even young adults and they're in your home or they could even be young kids, your job, now I don't know what you're fasting, I'm fasting food, not every single meal, but that's, I'm, I'm doing that. Um, but maybe you're fasting social media, maybe you're not fasting, so just apply it to your life how you need to. But as long as you're not fasting food or you're not fasting dinner, your homework is tonight to have a meal with your family and to have a meal with the TV turned off, your phone turned off. I said this a few weeks ago, but there's a button on your phone. You didn't even know it's there. It's on the side. You hold it down and your phone turns off. It's incredible. It's a miracle. It's awesome iPhone, I think you had to hold down two buttons, you know? But it's like, some of you never turn off your phone and just have time with family, put a little worship music on. I'm not saying you gotta do a Bible study, but read a few verses together. Make sure you pray over your meal to rest and recharge. I'm not a doctor, but I'll play one today. Dr. Ryan is ordering this for you. <laughs> and that's how you have longevity. And we're all about like speed here at the church. We've got so much coming in February and so much coming this year. So much in my heart I haven't even shared with you yet. Like it's gonna be awesome. Buckle up, buckaroo, okay? It's gonna be great. But still, I know that we cannot speed up like God wants us to if we don't first slow down. And I don't want your engine breaking. I don't want you crashing. I don't wanna crash. It's happened for far too many pastors. And so we gotta get back to a healthy life, a healthy soul, a rhythm, a pace, a speed, that honors God. Pastor Tony, come on up here, help me close out this message today. Some of you know this, um, but my wife's family, um, we, we love them so much, and I talked about them at the beginning, but, but they've owned, is it over 25 years? Over 25 years, they've owned a restaurant there in Carson City, Nevada. And it's incredible food. It's called the Villa Basque Deli. And uh, if you're ever in that area, like, like let us know, text me, text Isabel, call the office, get a hold of us if you don't have our number, and and they'll, they'll hook you up. I know I'm speaking for their behalf, but they've done it for many people. They're, they're such incredible people. And they've owned this restaurant for 25 years and God's blessing has been upon their lives. It's just incredible, incredible. Now I researched this. In fact, I think I even did it this morning just to double check. 
you may know this, you may not, but when it comes to America and restaurants, the typical new American restaurant doesn't make it a year. And a lot of them shut down even through COVID. Remember one of our favorite pizza places <laughs> shut down here <laughs> not too long. We're like, can you come back? We miss you. It was great. It was Chicago style deep dish. It was awesome. But the average American restaurant doesn't make it a year. Well, they've made it, like I said, over 25 years. And here's what I want to highlight with them. From day one of their restaurants, from day one, not only were they going to honor the Sabbath like in their own lives, but they honored it in their restaurants with their business and their employees. What are you saying? They have been closed every Sunday for 25 plus years. Chick-fil-A does that, you know, it's frustrated some of us. We pulled on that line on Sunday, like, why are you closed, you know? Like I've been in the line and no one's answered the little intercom thing and then I remember, oh, it's, it's Sunday. But I love how her parents have taken it so close to their heart. Hey, we're gonna honor God, honor the Sabbath. And they have been so blessed. They take it seriously, why? Because God takes it seriously. It's the one commandment that we'll brag about breaking. Just working, just grinding, just climbing the corporate ladder, just doing this, well, look at me, look at me. And God's looking at you saying, you know what, I, I love you, but you don't trust me. If you trust him, you'll Sabbath. And what's he say in the text, I love this. Then you're gonna find joy in the Lord. Joy has been escaping so many of you and it's because you're trying to achieve, trying to strive, trying to do more, do more for your kids than maybe you had growing up. It's all the external stuff. Remember, we're gonna focus on our soul, our life, our family. And you don't have joy because you're not trusting in the Lord. Trust him. He is faithful and he can multiply, multiply your time, multiply your energy. He can do so much more through your life. You work in six days and not seven days. If you believe that, would you say amen? amen? It's time that you trust him. I want your soul good. I want your soul healthy. This year, more than ever before, we're gonna make sure that we're right. Why don't you close your eyes with me, bow your heads. God, thank you. Thank you for Isaiah 58. I know it helped the original audience hundreds of years ago, but it's helping us here at Christ's Covenant. God, I pray for those that you've spoken loud and clear to them today that they've got to watch their language, watch their words. Maybe not in the everyday, but when they're frustrated, when they're stressed, when they're disappointed. They need to be more intentional with how they speak to their spouse, more intentional with how they speak to their kids or their friends. God, you've got a higher standard for us. I pray for the guys. I call us all to more. There's so many leaders in this house. And I pray, God, we would lead the way in worship to lift our hands and to press in. And not just during an hour and 15 minute service, but God, all throughout our lives, that we're gonna be in the front lines of the battle, worshiping, giving glory to God. Help us, God, to watch our language, to be better, to be better. I pray, God, for those that the word that you highlighted for them was their speed. They've been driving 100 miles per hour for years and they can feel they feel the unhealthiness in their soul. They, they feel that their, their, their motor is, their engine's starting to sputter. The wheels, they're, they're losing tread. And Holy Spirit, you are so good that you have highlighted that for them right now, that they cannot continue at this speed. That yeah, you've called them to run fast, but they have to first have some moments where they slow down 
and they spend time in your presence. They spend time with your people. They spend time with their family. They, they shut off the phone. They put it in another room where they can't get to it. They go on a walk. They put on some worship music. It doesn't have to be all day, just some, a few moments in your presence to rest and recharge. They need it so desperately, and you're letting them know right now they cannot continue at this speed. So God, I pray from this day forward, we would have built into our week very intentional to slow down so we can then speed up, to stop, to rest. It's gonna be hard at first because we've lost the art of rest. It may even be uncomfortable. Those dinners may be a little bit quiet for a while as everybody gets used to not having all the noise on. But I pray, God, you would show up in those moments and they would find themselves recharging and resting like never before. It's in those moments that you're gonna restore relationships. It's in those moments that you're gonna give great dreams. It's in those moments that you're gonna give visions. God, I pray that our soul would be good before you help us, God, and then we'll find joy in you. Not joy in stuff, not joy in living our own life the way we want to, but joy in following you. Thank you, God, for what you've done today. Keep your eyes closed for a moment in the room, online if you can safely. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, talk about your soul being good. The only way that you can find that healing, that saving, that rescuing is through Jesus Christ. He loves you so much that he died on the cross and he rose from the dead so that you could be saved, so you could be rescued. And I know you've got this heart to do all this stuff for other people, but it starts with your soul being saved by the Lord. So here in this holy moment, we had four people just this last Sunday that gave their lives to Jesus. In this holy moment, you can surrender your life to him. And I'll coach you. I'll give you a prayer right now that you can repeat after me, but it's more than a prayer. It's, it's your heart's intention. It's you meaning it. So if you're here today and you wanna give your life to Jesus, just whisper this to him. Doesn't need to be a shout, it can be a whisper. You whisper this, Jesus, I give you my life. I ask you to save my soul, to heal me, to forgive me of all my sin, to clean me up from the inside out. You've gotta tell him this, you whisper this to Jesus. He hears you, he knows you, he loves you. Tell him this, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you rose from the dead. And so I ask you right now to give me a fresh start, a new beginning, to restore my joy. God, thank you for those that are committing their life to you. It's the best decision they could ever make. I say this all the time, but I'll say it again. This is not the finish line of their faith. This is the starting line. You've got so much that you wanna do in them and through them. God, it puts a smile on my face and I know that all of heaven is rejoicing right now when just one gives their life to you. Thank you for what you've done. We give you glory and we give you honor. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen and amen. Thank you so much for listening today. If you made a decision for Jesus Christ or if your life has been impacted in any way, please send us an email at info at We would love to hear your story. And for those that committed your life to Christ, we want to help you on your new journey by sending our free Start Bible Kit in the mail. If you'd like to partner with us financially, simply click on the Give tab at ChristCove.net.
There it will take you to a safe and secure page where you can set up a one-time or recurring gift to help us accomplish our vision, heaven full and hell empty. And as always, you can find out more about Christ Covenant on our website or on Facebook or Instagram at Christ Cove Houston. 